Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? Yes, I am. Yeah, listen to the story. Well, this story starts in Marseille, France, mm. 1935. Mm. We are doing Sylvia Scarlet. Sylvia and Monkley star as a couple of competing grifters in this story of a young woman disguised as a man to evade the law. Particulars. It came out on Christmas Day, 1935. Oh, I can see that. It's directed by George Cukor, who also did Dinner at Eight in 1933, A Star is Born in 1954, The Philadelphia Story in 1940, Gaslight in 1944, and Travels with My Aunt in 1972. Those are all films of his that he's done. Yeah, he also had done Little Women, Adam's Rib, Born Yesterday, and My Fair Lady. So we have so many more to get to. He was also, well, how do I say this? People knew that he was a homosexual in these in these times. It wow. was like an open secret kind of thing. The screenplay is by Gladys Unger, who also wrote Music A Woman? Mad. Yeah. In 1935? Yeah. It seems like there, like we come across a lot of women in early Hollywood. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with the Hays Code. <laughs> and as the uh-huh. Hays Code comes in, like then. Yeah, the women you go know? out. Yeah, weirdly mm-hmm. enough, maybe. I don't know. Gladys Unger, she also did Music is Magic, Night of Mystery, and Daughter of Shanghai. We have John Collier who is famous for his short stories. And there's a 1951 volume called Fancies and Good Nights. And John Collier is praised by such authors as Ray Bradbury, Ronald Dahl, Neil Gaiman, and Michael Chabon. Mm. So Michael Chabon, excuse Chabin, me. Chabon, excuse me. Um, so yeah, Fancies and Good Nights for you readers out there. He worked uncredited on The African Queen and also I Am a Camera and The Warlord. And we have Mortimer Offner, who also wrote Alice Adams, The Saint in New York, and Little Tough Guy Society. Little Tough Guy Society. (laughs) I like the name, Little Tough Guy Society. It's based on the 1918 novel, The Early Life and Adventures of Sylvia Scarlet by Mm. Compton McKenzie. This was a sequel to his work, his novel Sinister Street. He also wrote Whiskey Galore and The Monarch of the Glen and The Four Winds of Love. Whiskey Galore sounds fun. Yeah, Whiskey Galore is a movie. So is The the Monarch of the Glen. Those were like two of his best-known works. It's edited by Jane Loring. Another woman. She also edited Alice Adams, White Woman, and Good Dame. White Woman? White Woman. Let me guess. Um, <laughs> I don't have to. <laughs> Sorry, I can't find it. You think we'd have that memorized. Oh. I know. <laughs> oh, I just sent it to Aaron, Cause, too. Yeah, because something came up, which was peak white woman. <laughs> I love this. Oh, it, the story was so bleak. It was such a bleak story, and I came across that line, and it made me laugh. I don't have to live by Stris. 
something rules. Stinking, Stinking rules. rules. Down for ordinary people. That's mm -hmm. right. It was in that was in context to I was reading an article where they discovered the largest slave auction. Yes. <laughs> U.S. soil and <laughs> well, it was a woman and there. This is ball. It was yeah, it was ball, and they were like, "Ball, you, you, this is uh, you shouldn't do this. Let a man take care of this." And it was like, but she did what she wanted, and what she wanted happened to do with selling people, <laughs> which it was just the and very buying start. some back. Yeah, making a nice tidy profit. And the article also went to go on and explain how the whole community benefited and prospered from it because there was taxes that people got and then there were the processing offices that processed it they got a little bit of it you then know they thought people... of the swedes who made the chains exactly there the chains go. it was mm -hmm. just this whole trickle i was like look at that all that money and yet no we we can't shan't have anything such as reparations um, the music is by Roy Webb, who also did Bringing Up Baby, Room Service, Cat People. Ooh, again, mm -hmm. two weeks in a row. Notorious and Marty, to name a few. The director of photography is Joseph August, who also did Gunga Din, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and The Devil and Daniel Webster. Now, the cast, starring as Sylvia slash Sylvester, Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn, at this point in 1935, she had already won an Oscar Best Actress for Morning Glory in 1933. She was also Joe in Little Women. And she, the same year as this, she was also in Alice Adams. Then this movie comes out. This was her first pairing with Cary Grant. And this started what was her string of box office poison roles. Like the woman was actually labeled box office poison. Um, she tried because, because well, this, this was the this beginning the of it, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I have a theory about that. So this was the first, and then it it kept going and kept going. She tried for the role of Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind, and producer David O. Selznick said she had no sex appeal and said, "quote I can't see Rep Butler chasing you for twelve years." What? No sex appeal? Yeah, said she had none. She did Bringing Up Baby, which at the time, like now, everybody's like, this is a classic. Yeah. But at the time, yeah. people wanted none of that. It was a dud. The, but the critics did like Bringing Up Baby, but it was a box office fail. So then she went back to Broadway, went back to the stage. She found the Philadelphia story. Mm -hmm. She bought the rights to the Philadelphia story. And then she was very instrumental in making sure that since she had the rights, she was going to be in the movie. And I watched that documentary that I mentioned last week. Call me Kate. And I think we talked about it when we did the Philadelphia story, but it was very important because at this time, we'll get into it in Nerd Alerts, but the country is going through a very serious depression. And Catherine Hepburn, with her voice, um, everybody, she was pegged as an elite, like one of those mm -hmm. coastal elites. People could tell that she came from money and she wasn't hurting the way that they were hurting. Exactly. Mm. And she's out here gallivanting and all of her mannerisms. I can see how that didn't really go oh, well. Oh, yeah. Um, and so at the beginning of the Philadelphia story, what happens, I think it's Cary Grant puts his, puts his hand in her face and pushes her down 
And then that like put her in her place, you know, and then audiences were like, okay, she's been taken down a notch. And then the rest of the movie, Mm. they could get back into it's very Mm -hmm. not great, but Mm -hmm. she is a very savvy woman and knew like, oh, I got to be taken down a notch. Um, so then she went on to be in Woman of the Year and Adam's Rib, and she was with a bunch of movies with Tracy, with uh, Spencer Tracy, Spencer Tracy. Mm. <laughs> and she was also in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. And we have Cary Grant as Jimmy Monkley. Now, at this point, Cary Grant had been in a ton of pictures, but he wasn't Cary Grant. Yeah. Um, but the movies we've done of him, he was in The Awful Truth, Bringing Up Baby, His Girl Friday, The Philadelphia Story, Arsenic and Old Lace, mm-hmm. Notorious, An Affair to Remember, North by Northwest. These are all come after this film. Mm-hmm. This is considered to be his breakout role for him. George Cooker said, quote, it's the first time Kerry felt ground under his feet as an actor. He suddenly felt liberated. Hmm. And... Cary Grant himself said, Scarlett O'Hara was my breakthrough. It permitted me to play a character I knew. Thanks to George Cukor, he let me play the way I thought it should be played because he didn't know who the character was. And this is, this is kind of, um, it's kind of, I equate it to kind of like Brad Pitt and Thelma and Louise, which mm-hmm. were like, wait, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Awesome. Um, we have, you said Scarlett O'Hara, but it's, it's Sylvia Scarlet. It just go on. Oh, Sylvia. Oh, in the Sylvia mm-hmm. Scarlet was his breakthrough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brian A. Ahern. I don't know. There's a. Is that H- the daddy? No, it's Michael Fane. Oh. Ahern. He was Michael Fane, mm-hmm. the artist. He was in A Night to Remember, I Confess. And I then don't the- remember him. The and, 19, to remember. and he was in the 1953 Titanic. So he was in two Titanic mm-hmm. films. We have Edmund Gwynn as Henry Scarlet. Okay. He was in Foreign Correspondent and Green Dolphin Street. And Chris Kringle in Miracle on 34th Street. What? I thought he was looked familiar. Wait, the artist? No, the dad. Oh, the dad. I kept thinking he was the guy. Remember the movie we did that Teeny picked that was the guy who lived in the mansion when the people were away and he'd go through the fence to get there? Oh, yeah. He looked like him, too. Yeah, I, I thought was he was that called? dude. Mm. Is that like the Fifth Avenue? It happened thing? on Ab- yeah. Fifth Avenue or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But- Miracle on 34th Street. Edmund like- Gwynn. Yeah, but it would have been, this is 35 and Miracle on 34th Street is in the 40s, right, Teeny? Right. 47, Um, maybe? 47, yep. So, yeah. He was born in 1877. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's old. That's old. And he was in things until, oh, I thought I had 1990. <laughs> Dang. Well, some people live a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, yeah. he wasn't in that. In 19, anything in 1995 except <laughs> in the ground. <laughs> he was in 
in the ground. We have Denny Moore as Maudie. She's uncredited, but this was her screen debut. She was also in Anna LaCosta. Did you say Demi Moore? Denny. Um, Denny. Denny. Denny Moore. Mm -hmm. How is she uncredited in this? I mean, because a lot of people were, uh, because the credits were like two cards at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Like, it wasn't like those. Everybody who worked on a lot of people didn't get credited on this because you just look at the credits at the beginning and it's like what two cards and that's it. Oh, okay. Um, she was also in Anna LaCosta, The Women, and The Adventures of Jane Arden. And then we have also another uncredited actress, Natalie Paley, as Lily, the Russian woman. Oh, I forgot about her. Uh-huh. She's uncredited, although her costume designer is credited. It says Costumes for Miss Paley by Bernard Newman. So Bernard yes. Newman got credit, and I guess they she were nice. kind of did. Get a load of this, guys. Her real name... Princess Pavlona Paley. Princess Natalia Pavlona Paley. So she really is Russian. Um, she was the first cousin of the last emperor, Nicholas II. Oh, wow. Like, she's lucky she got out alive. Because her, guess who didn't? Her brother. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. his whole family, including Anastasia. Well, that's the Tsar Nicholas. Like her, her Nicholas and her father were brothers. Oh, okay. And her, okay, okay, her okay. father married below his class to a divorced a woman who already had kids. And Nicholas was like, I forget. There's a whole term for it. I think it's called a left-handed marriage. And Nicholas was like, Nah, you need to stay away. And then when things got started getting heated up for old Nicholas, he was like, oh, yeah, you, y'all can come back now. I need more support. Y'all can come back. So then they came back, and the Bolsheviks were like, mm. And the, their family was like, no, it'll be okay. We were living in the little mansions yeah. and stuff. And she got out by the skin of her oh, teeth. Wow. And her brother was not so lucky. So that's all backstory for that woman. Damn. Um, she she went on. She was like a socialite and stuff. She dabbled in act acting. I thought she had kind of a Garbo vibe at first. I was like, wait, yeah. is Greta Garbo in this? But no. So she was in the private life of Don Juan, and she was in the New Men. She she didn't have that Garbo it factor. Mm-mm. So, but I just thought that was fascinating. That is fascinating. And those are the particulars. Okay, I'm going to set the table, and, and we start with a title card that says, To the adventure, to all who stray from the beaten track, life is an extravaganza in which laughter and luck and love come in odd ways, unexpectedly, but they are nonetheless sweet for that. It took me, I had to read that a couple times to figure it out, and I like that a lot. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. The movie starts in Marseille, where a young woman is taking down a sign draped in black. I like how they, you know, like draped the sign in black when the owner died or or there was a death in the family. I thought that was nice and respectful. I don't know about the black armband, but anyway. That was for? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
I meant to look it up and forgot. Um, she's tearing up the sign and burning it. It was, um, it, it, my limited French was that it was a dressmaker's shop or someone who altered clothing. Mm, that made there was, sense. There was mm -hmm. a sewing machine there. and um, So and, she had her own business, but then the father was a bookkeeper somewhere else. Yeah. Interesting. Because I, I think she knew that she needed to have her own business. Well, I yeah, I have a theory on that too. <laughs> a distraught father comes in saying he is ruined. It seems he it has a gambling issue and he's been skimming money from work. The, the mother has died. He must leave town and can't take his daughter because he said the police will be on the lookout for a man and his daughter. So she says, without a thought, no problem, I'll be a boy. Cuts her braids off and has a cute haircut, actually. Um, they are on a boat to London. What could go wrong? We're to POC and I saw... Zippo. Oh, did you see some people going? <laughs> I mean, unless you want to count the does. Russian, like that's, mm, that's I don't think that counts. No, no, mm -hmm. no, this isn't, but don't worry, guys. You know me. I'm gonna got it in cash. I'm gonna shoe in some, I'm gonna shoe in some POC right here. Oh. I didn't even, I didn't even shoe it in into cast. I was like, you have a big donut of zero? No, nah, I'm dropping it in right here. Here we go. This movie was four years old when Tina Turner was born in 1939. Oh, wow. Because, guys, I went to see Tina the musical last night. Mm. Man. Tina hasn't seen your shirt. Oh. <gasps> oh. I saw the, 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 the traveling show. They have two Tinas that alternate the nights because it's such a physically demanding show, vocally Exhausting. and physically. Mm. I saw Naomi Rogers cast that woman in everything. It was like I was watching young Viola Davis with a voice of Tina Turner. My favorite moment from last night is this woman is behind me. And it's, it's kind of into the show because I was very nervous going in about because that was my favorite part of the movie was that Tina Turner did her voice because it's the voice. So I's like, all right, you know, who's this? What are they gonna sound like? Is it gonna take me out of it? And you know I was watching and I was like, oh, this is great. And there, there was a moment that came in when she's kind of like becoming Tina Turner and she hits I forget what song it was, but it was something and she hit it and the woman behind me goes, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I I, because I did the same thing. My eyes got wide, and I was just like, oh, my God. It's not exactly the same because it can never be the same, but no. it was closer than it sent me chills. Mm, nice. And, yeah, nice. I'm just like, that woman, Naomi Rogers, I don't know. I'm sure the other woman has to be fantastic as well. Man, I think I just saw a star being bored. Oh. I'm just putting <laughs> her in everything. But anyways, so. The movie was four years old when Tina Turner was born. Because this, I want to paint a, a picture and put it into relevant terms. The Civil War ended in, in 1865. Mm -hmm. This movie came out in 1935. So that had been 70 years 
between mm-hmm. 1865 and 1935. Between the end of the Civil War. 70 years ago from today is 1953. I was already born. Yeah. And your puppy was born on this day. 71, finally he got up with me years ago. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, Poppy, and Father's Day. But that, it's not yeah. that long ago. No, it's not. Like, that's the wild thing is that people always want to push it and be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. So 1935 was 88 years ago. So more time has passed between now and when this movie came out than when slavery ended and this movie came out mm-hmm. in this weird, wild way. So on November 12th, 1935, 88 years ago, a mob of at least 700 white men, women, and children killed 15-year-old Ernest Collins and 16-year-old Benny Mitchell in Colorado County, Texas in what is called, quote, a public spectacle lynching. You say 700? 700. Mm. In October 1935, a young white woman's body was found in a creek near oh. her family farm in Columbus, mm. Texas. Always got to start with a damn white woman. Doesn't it? <laughs> it was murder. Not the first time that's been said in this video. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be the last. <laughs> The the boys had been, so it was murder, and these two boys had been seen picking pecans near the same creek where this woman was found. Obviously, they did it. So they got picked up, and the police said that the boys confessed, which... After they were beaten to a pulp. So then they, they the police and the sheriff, they held him in Houston until the trial because, you know, they... <laughs> They were like, we don't need no stinking trial. What What is this about uh, being an American citizen for the past 70 years? Anyways, so then they were held at Houston for their safety. But while the sheriff was transporting them to the Colorado County Courthouse for their trial against their peers, several cars filled with white men stopped them on a bridge and demanded the sheriff hand them over. And the sheriff was like, here you go. And they took the boys to an oak tree that was about a mile from the murdered woman's home. The officials called the lynching justice. They said it was, quote, the will of the people. The ropes were exhibited in a local drugstore. Oh, my God. Uh Uh-huh. The sheriff took pictures of them with the ropes. That was in the the newspapers. The local press was very silent, didn't say a word about the impact on the black community, didn't say a word. I I couldn't find who this woman was. I didn't really look super hard, but I couldn't find who this woman was. I couldn't find anything um, about her case. So they were quiet on it. In 1935, there was in Congress, there was the cost. Again, Wagner anti-lynching bill was introduced into the U.S. Senate. And the Texas senator said that the states were capable of stopping lynching without federal interference. Mm. And the bill, the bill failed. It's like, that's a joke. 
There are over 200 attempts at an anti-lynching bill from the 1900s when Representative George Henry White, who at that time was the country's only black member of Congress, first brought a bill to the floor for anti-lynching. Took 200 attempts, and finally, on March 22nd, 2022, the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act was finally passed and signed. 2022 2022 2022 yeah to to make it and you get you get 30 years which hey it's twice more that's double the time that those people got for killing Anne Frank and thousands of Jews that, that we have done in recent things so that was just like it hadn't just my point was that it Slavery isn't so long ago as people like to think it is. Right. Okay, so we are to nerd alerts. Mm -mm. No. We're to cast. Does anybody have any cast? Silly me. I know. (laughs) I didn't do any for this one. I didn't either. I had that. I mean, I'm sure there is a lot, but. Yeah, it's. Well, let the black girl take it. You know, I mean. Well, but this is this is more white on white crime. Yeah. Right? With oh, this, like yeah. Cast, like, what like feminism stuff. A lot of gender stuff. Well, so the, we have the Hayes Code because I guess this is cast like nerd alerts kind of because the Hayes Code. This <clears throat> movie came out and the Hayes Code was from 1934 to 1968. So this is one of the first movies that is coming out when they are really enforcing the Hayes Code. And remember, the Hayes Code determined what could be shown on screen. No profanity, no suggestive nudity, no graphic or realistic violence, no sexual persuasions, and no rape. Sounds like we're going to come back to that. That's what they want. They wanted to promote traditional values. So... Sexual relationships outside of marriage couldn't be attractive or beautiful. They had to be presented in a way um, not to arouse passion or seem permissible. Which, if you listen to Valley of the Dolls from last week, point out that all of this stuff has always been going on. Right. Since forever. Right. So, for Sylvia, she has to pose as a boy for safety and practicality reasons. Like, women are half the population for safety and practicality. Because you can't... Uh, so she says, I won't be silly. I won't be weak. I, I won't know, be weak. I, I won't be quote. silly. Yeah, okay. We'll get to it later. So then the, I have this article that's by Andrew Grossman in praise of the artifice in George Kakor's Sylvia Scarlet um, that he said... He points out that male to female transitions like in Tootsie and Mrs. Doubtfire the men learn to be better by experiencing the world through the shells of a female body Uh but then the male disguised woman so a woman who's disguised as a male rarely learns anything quote the adverse face of patriarchy's hostility Sensible power. The male may automatically hold sway, but his sway holds no automatic wisdom. What wisdom does a woman have? I mean, come on. 
No, it's the what he's saying is the opposite. Is that the a woman does have wisdom because the men characters like in Tootsie and Mrs. Doubtfire learn oh. from a woman, but oh, okay. a woman doesn't learn anything from a man. From and being it's, a man. It's weird because in mm-hmm. the patriarchy, the man yeah. is in charge of everything, but then they have no automatic wisdom. But this is one of those examples of where patriarchy is harmful for males because there's plenty of positive masculine traits. And they're... Oh, sure. I mean, then you get into the whole idea of, like, the traits that you list. is like, that's not really a masculine trait. That's, like, a, a trait for all people. But if you think back into hunters and gatherers and, like, physical strength and, go, and like, a protecting kind of thing and that kind of thing, like, there are a lot of, like, like their masculine traits, you know, it's Father's Day that I look up to my dad and I don't think, oh, I can't do that. Like, you look at the, you know, like, oh, I can be strong. I can make my body strong. I might not be as strong as somebody who was born um, a male, but I can be strong, leadership, you know, things. Like, the idea of a gentleman adventurer is, mm-hmm. is a great lesson that can be learned. I'm watching this thing about Teddy Roosevelt, and he has that whole famous quote about the man in the arena. There are, just as there are problematic aspects of, of like womenly traits and their problematic aspects of masculine traits, they're also positive. So it's, it's kind of like, I feel like that's an injustice to men to be like, there's nothing to learn from men when, and then, but like men are in charge of the movies and stuff. So it's like, what are y'all saying about yourself? Like it's almost like y'all are painting yourself into this toxicness. Yeah. Sounds very, Masculine. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's like that's why people get you know that I I would assume that men would be like yeah like oh we can't be soft and like you know you learn from other things it's just all it's just bananas to me and then also like oh Lily's mean because she's Russian like they just yeah, throw it off yeah that's true did kind of feel that though yeah I know I know. <laughs> Oh. And I found out about her in real life backstory, and I was kind of like, well, you don't yeah, know now I got to step off Lily. Okay. But she did make it out. Um, so we are to nerd alerts now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wait, I have one. This is a quote from Mitchell Fain, who did an interview, uh, who interviewed Cary Grant. Uh, but this was a while ago. Um, this was actually, it wasn't that long ago, so so just stay with me. I mean, to this day, people say he's the next Cary Grant. Cary Grant was acting in the 30s. That's 90 years ago. Well, guess what? There is nobody. It's only him. Mm -hmm. I mean, people always go, he's the next Cary Grant, but have we ever met the next Cary Grant? I would say that the closest in my opinion, the closest so far that we've come to is George Clooney. I was just thinking. Oh, Clooney. yeah. But because George... he can do comedy. He can do slapstick. He can do making fun of himself. But he can also be the dressed up Gorjo. But George Clooney, yeah, he, not to be ageist, but he's he's not a young man anymore. Uh-uh. And there, there really isn't. It, that's why it's getting harder and harder to do recasting. And I think 
because the industry is changing so much and like superhero movies are yeah have i don't want to well in my opinion they've derailed a lot of careers and we just it's just changed so much that we don't have the movie stars like we used Mm -mm. to it's a whole different thing from the the 30s when everything was all gorgeo and art deco and yeah. Okay. Uh, other nerd alerts. I kind of just commandeered that. No, it's fine. Tina, mm. do you have any nerd alerts? I don't have any nerd alerts. Okay. Well, I can set the, like, the, not, I was going to say set the table, but like, so it's 1935. This came out at Christmas time. The top films of 1935 were number five, David Copperfield, number four, Broadway Melody. Of 1936. So it's important to know that this is in the 30s, and I believe the jazz singer came out in 1929. So this is still pretty early in talking. Motion pictures, yeah. Motion pictures and just sound and having dialogue. And I I really felt that with especially Catherine Hepburn's performance at the very beginning. And the music and stuff was very... um, kind of in an adolescent phase of film going from silent Mm -hmm. pictures to we're talking in sound and kind of figuring it out as they're going along. So you had the Broadway melody of 1936. That was the fourth most popular film. Number three is China Seas, which I'm sure there's nothing problematic about that. Sure. Um, Number two is Top Hat. And the number one film of 19... 35 was Mutiny on the Bounty. Oh. And then the best, they weren't called Best Picture. I believe they were called Best Production or Outstanding Production. Mm-hmm. The Oscars were, man, I haven't heard a lot of these. Top Hat. Top Hat. Isn't that Fred Astaire? I think, I think so. Yeah, Top Hat. We're going to have to do Top Hat. Ruggles, The Red Gap. Oh. Naughty Marietta. Oh. Les Miserables. Is it Les Miserables or Les Miserables? <laughs> Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Les um, Miserables. There you go. Um, Three years of high school French. <laughs> apologies, Blair. Oh, A Midsummer God. Night's Dream. The Lives of Bengal Lancer. The Informer. David Copperfield. Captain Blood. Broadway Melody of 1936. Was it every film ever made? It seemed <laughs> like it. Alice Adams and the winner was Mutiny on the Bounty. I'll also point out <clears throat> that this year, Catherine Hepburn was nominated for Best Actress for Alice Adams. Oh, but okay. Betty Davis won because she's mm. Betty Davis. So. In 1935 in America, Amelia Earhart became the first person to fly solo from Hawaii to California. Now, if you haven't ever gone on Google Maps and like Hawaii is not close to America. Mm -mm. It's about from California. I think it's like a five hour flight. So it's pretty much an entire length of the United States out in the ocean. Right, right. Um. The first canned beer is sold in Richmond, Virginia. Oh, my God. What? In Richmond, Virginia? That's very fitting. Gottfried Kruger Brewing Company. Parker Brothers starts selling Monopoly, the board game. Wow. Hmm? 
the trial of Richard Hauptmann for kidnapping and murdering mm-hmm. Charles Lindbergh Jr. He's, but did he? I we know. We don't know. Lindbergh. People say he's an American hero, not mine. Yeah. That man wanted us to be Nazis. Yeah, he was a Nazi sympathizer. Like maybe not time. quite. Maybe they don't use the name sympathizer, but yeah, he was. No, he was all about that eugenics and believing in superior races and yeah. whatnot. Which there's a whole theory. Since he's a Nazi sympathizer, I'm going to go out here and just sprinkle these allegedly's, but I'm going to put them on blast. There's a whole theory that goes that his baby wasn't up to snuff and had like um, congenital defect of some kind. Yeah. And that kind of like, like kind of put a, um, like if you're out here talking about how you're the master race and stuff, Mm -hmm. how are you going to have this? as your offspring like man in the high castle that whole situation yeah Mm -hmm. so there there's a whole theory around that um 20th century pictures and the fox film corporation combined to form 20th century fox film corporation oh okay in 1935 oh man 1935 so we have to go back really quick to 1919 the treaty of versailles that's mm. what ended World War One, the war to end all wars, as they build it at the time. <laughs> at, at that time, it wasn't World War One; it was just World the, War. The World War. war. Yeah, but I never in nineteen in nineteen thirty-five, so Germany signs it, and in that treaty, it's basically Germany: you can't have an air force, you can't have armament, you can't have conscription. You know, basically to make sure that Germany doesn't start another Do this war. Shit again. And Hitler is in power in Germany and he's like, guess what? Oh, <laughs> uh, the Luftwaffe, the Air Force is back. Rearmament is back. This is all 1935. Conscription? You say we're not allowed to do it? Fuck your conscription. We're doing it. Conscription is basically citizens it's basically like the draft like like you have to serve right mm. right so basically he's making a whole army also the nuremberg laws go into effect what are those well those just strip jews of their citizenship so that's mm. in 35 1935 wow. and people are, and if you there's things in 1935 it's a that's when the appeasement kind of starts of there's things with Britain of like, okay, but don't do this. Okay, they agreed that they're not going to do this. But they agreed in 1919 that they were going to do a whole yeah. bunch of this. And yeah, okay. So we'll see how that goes. You're just going to have to re... We're going to have to rename the wars now. That was one. Now we're going to have a two. And then in 1935 in the United States, so we're going through the de- Great what's known as the Great Depression, from mm-hmm. 1929 to 1939. That's what Wikipedia lists. In 1935, Social Security is signed into law by FDR because there were a lot of older Americans and there were a mm-hmm. lot of people who had fought for their country, especially because I mentioned it had only been 70 years, so there were people who they had fought for the to keep the union together, right. and they were now destitute and right. living in poverty, 
And FDR was like, no, if these people fought for our country, our country needs to support them and there needs to be a safety net. And that's why Social Security was signed into law. In 1935, I'm allowed to sit here and do nothing all day long. And it's why I will be working until they put me in the oven for cremation purposes not hopefully who knows with the way that this country's oh, going no no oh, no. <laughs> oh we got I, dark i just saw well it was a tiktok so you know it's for everything's accurate right <laughs> i didn't do teeny. any any fact checking because why would i need to it's my algorithm I believe it. Mm-hmm. And this guy was saying how the Great Depression, the average income was something. And if you equate, if you do the math to make it what it would be today, we're actually in more of the Great Depression right now right, right. than we were in the Great Depression. Yeah. Because the, I think if I'm following, if now, wow. You're quoting something that has no basis, and I'm about to jump on it. Something that has equally no basis. I so saved it off of my Yeah. I think it has to do with the the gap, the wealth disparity yes, gap. Exactly. Because exactly. there are more. Because at that time of like there was that was one of the causes of the Great Depression was the massive wealth disparity gap, and if we look at that gap now, it like even more way worse yes in night but so in 1935 these are the audiences that are watching Catherine Hepburn that's why I bring it up but unemployment during the Great Depression rose to 23 percent and in 1935 there was a huge dust bowl it was called the dust bowl it was a huge there was severe drought in the U.S. heartland and nothing would grow and so um, FDR, I think he came in. They didn't power. know about crop rotation yet. So they had used it all up and then it was just a drought because there was no rain. Mm-hmm. It was before uh, climate change. We knew that climate change was an issue. Well, and also, you know, you killed off the people who knew about that land and knew yes. how yes. best how to, to... how to make it livable. Exactly. You kind of just push them off and you, and you know what? I'm, I mean, I am watching the thing about Teddy Roosevelt and there are things about him that I admire and there are things about him that he's a fuckboy with and the treatment of Native Americans and that whole saying of the only, this is what they say, the only good Indian is a dead Indian. And then they also oh. said, uh, they also said kill the Indian, save the man, which meant you take, you basically put him in a suit and put him a Bible in his hand and now he's no longer a savage which suits and Bibles in hand, from my perspective, very savage. Just saying. Exactly. <laughs> where I sit. Exactly. Um, because you moved these people to what appeared to be uninhabitable land and they made it habitable because they adapted to what, what they were given and made it, they could, they could live on this desert land because they knew how to do it, and then you killed them, you killed them off, or made them be um, uh, close to the white man, and then so then you don't, you didn't learn from them. They had all this knowledge of nature, 
Mm-hmm. That's why it's a very interesting argument to give the natural, which Teddy Roosevelt was big into um, conservation and not the mm-hmm. national parks. And there is a, a, a theory that's out there of give the national parks to the Native American, to the indigenous tribes, because they have the history of the land and can take mm-hmm. care of it. And I'm like, you know what? That, that yeah. sounds pretty good to me. They had yep. the respect. Mm-hmm. And, and this week, like the Supreme Court, and aha, you thought they upheld like that, mm-hmm. a, like adoption thing. That man, I, who are those people that brought that case? And it's like, do, do you not know why that this is in effect? Like, it, it, wild to me. All right, also in 1935, because we were in the Great Depression, the Banking Act of 1935 was signed, and that created the Federal Deposit Insurance mm-hmm. Corporation, which is FDIC. known as the F. Exactly. So before that, that's why that's one of the reasons that it happened, because you would put your money in the bank, and then if you wanted to get your money out and it wasn't in there, then you were like, well, where's my money? And that's why it's a wonderful life. That's what it was Exactly. About. So they, at the, in 1935, the maximum secured deposit was $5,000, which equals today $111,000. But currently the FDIC insurance is for $250,000, which with, Recently, with the, the mid-tier banks collapsing, I didn't realize that it was capped at 250k, and I was like, oh. "But then I was like, Aaron, you are yeah. nowhere near. <laughs> like, what? what are you thinking yeah. that that's so low? Like, that maybe that's another issue or problem that mm-hmm. so many people are, you know, just that gap. Also, we have in 1935. I mean. FDR, I think this is part of his 100 days of now presidents get in and they're like, what are you going to do in the first 100 days? Because FDR just came in and was like, we're doing this and this and this and this. We have the National Labor Relations Act of 1935, a.k.a. the Wagner Act. What is that? Mm -hmm. That guarantees the right of private sector employees to organize into trade unions, engage in collective bargaining, and take collective actions such as strikes. That's that's why we have the the writers guild out there just striking. They still are. I think this is what the seventh or eighth eighth week. Yeah, they're out there. And if you are like, oh, unions are what has led to where we are and that if you're in the opinion that unions are bad you need to go and do history i'm not saying that unions aren't corrupt because anything that has power is going to have corruption oh, yeah. but mm-hmm. if you look at the history of unions guess what guess what it's tied into guys cast mm-hmm. and the high when we had the highest like median in the 50s that was also when we had the highest level number of people who were in unions because unions leveled the playing field with capitalism because you know capitalism is all about how you make that money and um all you need to do is look into slavery and to see how that worked because that was mm-hmm. free labor and everybody's getting money and so all the you're the strictly capitalist get down you don't want to pay your people 
wages because that's money out of your pocket. Mm -hmm. So it was just very interesting. And the demise of America was great again. Well, the demise of the unions coincided a lot with pitting races against each other and the last place aversion theory. And it's all, I know y'all think I'm out here just being the, the brown person with the bullhorn outside the subway station. But <laughs> there are points to be made. I just, I'm not telling you lies here. Like that's been the get down. So there you have it. All righty. We are to uh, reheatables negative. My first one is the father because he's been skimming money and then like he doesn't have a, a plan. He's just skimming the money. And then all of a sudden people are coming and looking at the books going, uh, but we got some money missing. Does that stop it? No, he, he considers how he's going to go and steal more money so that he can, he steals the lace and then he's going to just continue to, to steal money so that, yeah. Okay. And then while he's trying to be, you know, a, a man, a grifter, he uh, talks too much. <laughs> well, you're going to tell me, yeah, I got lace all around my <laughs> midsection. Um, there was a, there was roughing up of women in this film. Um, okay. There were laughing at people, Michael, the writer, Michael, the artist, and uh, Miss Romanoff. Lily. Lily, laughing at people. It's a very uncomfortable position to be in when people are laughing at you. You are the butt of the joke. Yeah, it's just being mean. Not okay. Um, that whole scene... When she uh, puts on a stolen dress and shoes and hat and goes and meets the artist as a female because she'd only met the artist as her persona as a man before. That whole scene was so uncomfortable to me because she was being silly and simpering and all the things she said she wasn't going to be when she became a boy. She didn't have to do all that. I did not. I was uncomfortable. Um, I was on my negatives. I was uncomfortable. And maybe this is just 2023 eyes when, when she was a boy, because she was seemingly young and all the men kept being like, you can sleep. You seem like you're going to be a warm bottle or, you know, keep right. I was just like, this is like, I'm worried that that didn't, that was weird. And the and all the men, but also it was the woman because Maudie was like, "Oh, you don't have any hair. Oh, yeah. how oh, yeah. like you're young. Yeah, let me draw a mustache on you and kiss you. And like if you're a yeah, if you're a woman and it's like this, like how old did you? I that was my big question was just how old is Sylvia? Because I know that Catherine Hepburn is about twenty eight when she's filming this, but how old is Sylvia supposed to be in this? Because like maybe fifteen ish. Oh really? I don't. I thought older than that though. But I don't I was know. Thinking like twenties. Yeah. 
Like, she was still, like, a young woman, so, like, 1920-ish. But, like, yeah, what Teeny was saying, it was, I was creeped out also, like, with Maud because it's, you're, like, you know, if you're saying that about, like, there's how smooth your skin is, then that's, you know, that's a young yeah, boy, yeah. you know, yeah. and she's Leave like, oh, alone. yeah, exactly. And then, like, oh, let me paint a mustache on you now. What is it like to kit? Like, she yeah. was being creepy, too. She wanted to be his first experience. Yeah, that's creepy. Like, yeah. men can be sexually abused. Like, that's abuse. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, the polar bear rug, because it was probably a real polar bear. Probably. Oh, probably. They're like big extinct now. I think that's what Adam said, and he's basically TikTok. I believe everything he says. So. <laughs> oh um, we have to have a talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, this is. Oh my god, she believes your brother. About animals, oh anything, but like he knows okay. a lot about animals. Okay, you have to give him that. Okay. Don't make that face. I'm not <laughs> him. I know. I love know him a lot so. About animals. And he, you know what? But but think about it. They said like that the Arctic Circle is gonna be disappeared by the next ten to fifteen years. I so know. where oh else God. are they gonna go? You, you, yeah, everybody's seen the polar bear on the ice that's floating away, and he's skeletal yeah. fit. Oh. Um, her braids needed to go anyway because they were ratty <laughs> at the end. They, they were. She needed oh. to cut her hair. It was it was dead at the end. Yeah. Um, the quote when she was like, they were trying to figure out what their next scam was going to be. And Sylvester goes, why don't we all get jobs and go to work? Let's not. I think that that was the moment that the audiences turned against Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. That's my theory. <laughs> yeah. Because I looked it up and in 1935, there was... Oh my gosh, I did. I definitely looked it up in the reheatables. Oh, I'm sorry, man. My notes are all, all over the place. But I have the. I'll get to it and I'll be like, oh, yeah. it was that there, unemployment? Like there was. Yeah. So I could see that that if you're sitting in. The oh, universe, she's like you. Lady. Yeah, just go and get a job. But okay. there's twenty percent. I think it was yeah. like twenty point two percent unemployment. So Matt, be like, it's not that easy. This bitch right. from with her money and well to do, like she's fine. We had to not have supper tonight so we could go out to a flick. And this bitch up here on the screen. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel exactly. like that's what started her in the I think uh, it was I think it was her accent and the obvious affluence that she grew up. It, it was obvious. But it was that it was building and then she says that line yeah. and I think that's the you're canceled. You know how like there's always things that are going up and building with people and then they always have the what is it? The straw that broke the camel's back was just her yeah. like, why don't we just get jobs? It's like, this bitch. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That if only. Um, and I guess those are my negatives. Oh, man. Negative. So this is it's negative in the film, but shout out to all the dads who never made their children feel like hindrances. Yeah. 
Because just right off the bat, this man gambled his money away, stole money from his company during a worldwide recession. It wasn't just the U.S. that was in a recession. A worldwide depression was going on. His wife, his daughter gives him her money. That the mother mother saved. For the daughter, because she knew what was happening. Uh Uh-huh. And then he's like, what are you going to (laughs) do? And she's like, I'm going with you. And she's like, oh, no, no. You'd be a hindrance. Yeah. I was just like, this brother. I was just like, thank God. Oh, my dad. I wish I wish he had all his gifts today. <laughs> I'm, I'm horrible. <laughs> oh, man. And then the dad just spilling, like you said, all the beans about the, his criminal plans. Yeah. But then... I point out, though, that then the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because old Sly over here, all their con games. Yeah, she, she let it. She, yeah, she blew messed all up them. everyone. Yeah, blew them did. all up. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a comedic way. Yeah. But yeah. She, she, man, she's like all over the Women. place. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> the random. No. Well, that's in my good reheatables. But man, the random by the sea song when they're oh, and then they like just it? like. <laughs> but yeah, it was weird. I was like, wait a second, is this a musical now? Exactly, and it kept going, and then they kept go, and it was just, I was yeah. this, and then it was like a weird dance number, but it wasn't. It was just. I'll get to it in my good reheatables about what it was. Um, and we already kind of mentioned this about Maudie and like how old does she think she is? Um, and then another crazy thing with Maudie was when she found out that that Sly was really Sylvia, she was like, "Oh, I want to go take another look." And remember, because she like is like, "Oh, I'm, yes, I'm a woman," and she closes the door and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Maudie was like, "Oh, I want another look." I'm just like, Maudie is all kinds of creep. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. She's an equal opportunity creepist. Equal opportunity. Yeah. Um, and then the outdated term for the Roma people was used in describing yes, it was. the caravan. That's. So now we're to positive reheatables. My first one was it was the very beginning when the father said he was ruined. Because they were checking the books, holding people accountable. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a big thing of mine, even with, um, you know, my little first, second graders holding them accountable. But now it's happening to he who shall not be named. And so just holding people accountable. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to check the books. That's part of my fiduciary responsibility, we will say. And, um, yeah, it is is wild how I can see it's the the slippage Mm -hmm. of such that Mm -hmm. it's it's like, hey, man, like you. Mm -hmm. I just I remember in geometry class that wasn't my favorite class but it was one of those classes that like clicked but that was always the thing was that you had to show your work if you said that that angle equaled that angle how did you get to it and it was per blah 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 per blah 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 and per blah 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 it's like show your work so people aren't just like you pooped it out your butt you need to show right. your work and if you don't show you and the reason why you have to show your work is because <laughs> People are nefarious. <laughs> People are going to come up with the term 
alternative facts. People are, are going to do what they get away with. Exactly. That's I, why we need to hold people a fucking countable. Yeah. Yeah. Got to put the fuck in there. Okay. Um, Cary Grant's heel with the diamonds in it. Mm-hmm. No, that, now, come on. That was worth a whole lot of money. How did he not? Okay. Moving on. The agility of Catherine Hepburn. She's Dude. jumping over stuff. She, mm-hmm. my God. So, so we're supposed to believe that when she was in France, that she was just being super ladylike. Like she came to her, her solution very quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> and, and she was you, very agile. So you're like, like you didn't think that this would be a agile. thing. But you. If you watch Call Me Kate, which I did yesterday or the day before, it doesn't matter. Um, she said people didn't know where she was on the um, on the scale of homosexuality, heterosexuality. They didn't know where to place her. And I don't think she knew where to place herself. I think she was just all-encompassing. She was. Yeah, yeah. she was going to love who she loved and... At the time, because she was uh, hopelessly devoted to Spencer Tracy, um, who was not going to divorce his wife for her, but she seemed to be extremely devoted to her friend who took care of everything. So Mm -hmm. she was who she was as people should be allowed to be. I have a theory on that. The Spencer Tracy thing after watching Call Me Kate and... So when she was 13, her brother was 16. They went to visit somebody in New York and her brother, she ended up finding her brother hanging, hanged. Yes, um, already. Yeah, it had, it had happened. So there was, the family is like, oh, her brother was really in, obsessed with magic and was really into this hanging yeah, it trick. Yeah, was an accident. Yeah. But in the documentary, Kate's like he came to me that night and was like look I love you and stuff and so I think she in her heart of hearts knew that he like it wasn't yeah and like the way that the family dealt with it is that they it was that very waspy kind of like we're not gonna ever speak of it that whole thing and that for years November 8th was his birthday that, that she claimed that that was her birthday and it wasn't until like years later that she came out with like, no, I was really born on this date. And there was like a whole bunch of stuff. Anyway, I have a feeling that she felt like Spencer Tracy was like taking, like, I, I could see like there would be like sexual attraction and stuff involved, but I think that there was a lot of, cause he was a tortured soul and mm. felt a lot of that pain. She's that trying brother to take did. care of her brother by taking yeah. care of him. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. not, yeah, I'm not saying that, I don't know. It like, was solely that, that, but yeah, I'm that sure was that they could be it. physical or anything because they were there together, and that's their relationship. And and people can, you know, it's flu. I it's fluid. Whoever, it's whatever. Fluid and but who cares? But it was it that tortured aspect of it, mm-hmm. and that he was an alcoholic and had so much like self-loathing in him within so him. Much guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I was like, oh, I think that that's what attract. I think feel like that's what Probably. attracted her. Yeah. So, but you know, I don't know these people. That's just me in the peanut gallery. It is, and they're allowed to be who they are. Also, when she slapped the woman for laughing at her. 
you know, okay. It was laughing at her father. Yeah. It's it, it's not okay to, but the woman initiated. Okay, it's not okay. It's weird because that's time, yes, slap her. It's weird because <laughs> if it's Catherine Hepburn, if it's she's Sylvia and she slaps her, it's kind of okay. It's weird how it's kind of it's okay it's because okay, but if she's you're talking dude, about her father, yeah. but mm-hmm. because she was dressed as a man, then it's not okay. Which that's, I mean, there's unpacking to do for Is that in 2023. We have oh, so much unpacking to do. <laughs> Other positives. I did like, you know, me, I'm not usually a fan of the before the show credits. Oh, yeah. Yes. These were short, and I liked that the, I don't know why I liked this so much, that it just said costumes for Miss Hepburn and Miss so-and-so. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name, sorry, ma'am. Um, I thought that was a nice little touch. Um, I liked the Irish, there was an Irish wolfhound. Yes. <gasps> They're majestic creatures. They're so big. They are. They are huge. And I like. I loved the song. I do like to be beside the seaside. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. You know what? I do too. Yeah. What a nice little tune. We should sing it this year. I know. Them. I was thinking we got to remember the words. I think it's just by the <laughs> but yeah, guys, look it up. I will partake. I will partake. But we are not going to wear apparel costumes. Okay. Oh, sorry. Or I'll do, return. I I'll, just, re- I'll have to return. I just got my sewing machine fixed. So, uh, dude said, do not wait 23 years again to get it redone. And oh, so, so you're going to be sewing our costumes I for the beach? I could sew apparel costumes for us for the beach. Oh, my God. Can't you see Poppy and Adam be willing to put them on? (laughs) No. (laughs) Mm -mm. Those are mine. I have, and I mean this in the best possible way, this movie is bonkers. It is. I didn't know how. I did too. I really enjoyed the movie. And but then I was like, how did we get here? Exactly. Like at they, one point, Adam, like I, Adam watched the last twenty-five minutes, and that was it. At one point, he was like, "Do you know what's going on?" And I was like, "Yeah, but I don't know how we got here." <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. It like turned into a completely different movie. It did. They it they did. went. They they're escaping. They meet up with um Cary Grant's character. He's a con artist. He's like, "Okay, great. We'll be. Uh, we'll have a three. So now they have a crew." And so then they start, they do this con thing out in the street where um, Sly is supposed to be a French urchin and they're like working it. it, it that's the scene that makes Cary Grant. He is fantastic in that scene. And, but, you know, Sylvia messes it up. Then they have this whole like thing where there's an empty apartment. And of course, uh, Cary Grant's character knows the Maudie character who works there. So they can like steal the, the pearls and stuff. And then, of course, Sylvester messes it up. And so then they're just like, okay, well, Maudie actually is going to steal the things and she's going to use that to fund their vaudevillian roadshow. Yeah, that all of a sudden what? they're putting on. What? Was that Caravan? Yeah, yes. then, then the mur- the suicide, death, murder, I don't know what happened. How did that yes. happen? We don't know nothing about how she ended up in the water. Then he's dead. 
Yeah. Like, he was calling to Michael. I did he know. go crazy? Because at one point he's like, And how did he go crazy? He, well, I think he the, was crazy all along. Yeah, he was yeah. definitely an alcoholic. And there's the part yeah. where Lily is pointing at him because he's passed out. And that's when she gets, you know, slapped upside the face. But then he wait, but while he, she, while the father was asleep, Lily is like, yes, she is off with another man. So then that plants it in his head. When he wakes up though, then he says, I know that she's off with another man. I can see it like that. I can see that rat. And then the camera points down. Yeah, but like he said, he was just crazy out of nowhere. Like he was there. Was there a rat that had been there and had moved, or was there a rat that never was there? And then. He obviously he's just, you know I mean he's not father of the year at all and then he ends up and then they find his body and they're like let's go down it it's bonkers yeah it, it bonkers. was yeah it was um this is also from that Andrew Grossman article it said quote I thought this this was very interesting con artistry which is a performance given in bad faith has little in common with vaudeville, a performance given in good faith. And it points out, in a remarkable bit of amorality, the film nevertheless conflates the two kinds of performance. The extrapolating, we can assume... Extrapolating? We can assume that the film wishes masculinity and femininity likewise interflowed unguided by conventional morality Mm. so the way in which like you're a con artist but you can be in vaudeville that that can interflow but like he says con artistry is a performance in bad faith vaudeville Mm -hmm. is a performance in good faith Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so it was just very interesting considering you know george kukor and what he how his life is living in that duality and stuff Oh, and I have. Did the mother die to escape these two? <laughs> if she did, God bless her. You know, I mean, did she know that she, was she sick, and that's why she was like, and she knew who she married, and that's why she was like, hey, here's this money for when you yeah. go and get married and stuff. Because I, I could just see her with these. I mean, this, man, Catherine Hepburn is all over the place in this yeah. film and sometimes mm-hmm. it hits and sometimes it's like what are you doing yeah. yeah um her hair like did she as someone who cuts their own hair did she cut her own hair because yes she did she, she but but she it's was a really fantastic. nice cut she yeah had, like a nice face yeah, going on and then they like grew out i'm just like damn she but then they grew out all of a sudden didn't you notice like it was all nice and slicked back and everything. And then it's and then time it, for her to be a girl. A girl. Well, there were there were some well, waves involved. Because everybody knows that seawater is the magical elixir oh. of hair. So she just went and just doused mm. her hair, and that's what gave her the beautiful curligen and oh, that's feminine gonna locks. To me in August. Yes, it it always happens to us. We're always like, why can't why is my hair fantastic? It's well, the seawater. It, it doesn't have anything to do with our cocktails at five o'clock. Yeah, I'm just being like, oh. Um, man, Cary Grant. Yeah. 
hilarious in this. And they made fun of his Cockney accent. I loved his Cockney accent, but I do not know a true. Yeah, I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah. Yeah, but we're we're not. Um, And then I guess we're not the ones to judge. Is Monkley gay? Because he he did make that comment about how Sly would make a proper hot water bottle at night. And I'm just like, it's the 30s. I know that, you know. But Hello? that seemed a bit much for, you know, two men to just, that seemed to, and yeah, everything I, that, that I. That seemed a little predatory to me. Yeah. Um, And also Michael seemed like he was way more into Sly than Sylvia. He wanted, remember, he wanted to paint. Yeah. Sylvester. Oh, the artist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he wanted. Yeah, to and he also Sylvester. asked Sylvester if he wanted to stay down there. Mm-hmm. And then when when Sylvia shows up in her dress, he says, "You're a freak of nature." Yeah. And then at the end, when he buys her quote new costume, it's not a flowery dress. Like she's still basically in the Sylvester drag. So I I felt, and he you know he was an artist and stuff. He had that that tuft of hair and. That Errol Flynn way about him, I I sort of believe that this was this was checking off all the permissible boxes for him in his society. He's I like, mean, hey, I thought really a woman, but I thought this was a very fitting movie for Pride Month. I agree. Hmm? In 1986, Barbara Walters interviewed Cary Grant. Grant finally opened up about his sexuality, saying, everyone says I'm gay. I guess I am. I don't really know. He just, he just is attracted to who he's attracted to. Yeah, I think he was fluid as uh, Catherine Hepburn was fluid as. I think it's like more people than they really. Yeah. Yeah. You fall in love with who you fall in love with at at a certain time and a certain place in in the span of your life. I thought it was interesting when Sylvester, when Sylvia was Sylvester, I could see a direct line between her and a young Frank Sinatra, really skinny and stuff. Mm-hmm. David Bowie. I have to oh say Oh my that. God, Adam said that she looked like David Bowie. Mm-hmm. She looked a lot like David Bowie. And then mm-hmm. I could draw a line between from that to Harry Styles and Justin Bieber. Yeah. Of that. She was a very attractive young man, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. like could have like in that style of Frank Young Frank Sinatra, David Bowie, Harry Styles, Justin Bieber. Like yeah. I was just like, look at it just continues. But you don't like, have to all, like anybody anything. I thought she looked a lot like David Bowie. I was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, the young white dude. No, yeah. Mm-hmm. David Bowie's costume is the reason we got separated in the Motion Pictures Museum of the Art. <laughs> because I went back to see his costume, and then you oh. you and Poppy it took off, and then I never found you again. Okay, quotables. <clears throat> this is when she is telling her father at the very beginning she'll become a she'll become a boy. I won't be a girl, I won't be weak, and I won't be silly. I'll be a boy and rough and hard. She could be a girl and be rough and hard. Yeah. 
Hey, what's the matter with you? I took a bath last Saturday. Yeah, okay, ew. <laughs> and then when she came into the artist place as in full female uh, regalia, the artist goes, good heavens, boy, what are you up to? <laughs> he was disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it probably. And then um, she's looking back and she goes, Everything's always jolly when you start. When you start oh, out. Oh yeah, that was after the funeral of her father. Yes. Um, and she says to Cary Grant, "You've got the mind of a pig," and he said, "It's a pig's world." Mm-hmm. Mm. Show me the lie. Exactly. Those are my quotes. I had lots of fresh air, plenty of peace and quiet, and a good appetite. If only we had a couple of more bottles of beer, we'd be in clover. Mm. Um, who said this? Who knows? Enjoy yourself. That's my motto. You're only young once, I always say. Mm? Could be any of them. And then it's you and me. Let's you and me muck along together and let the rest of the world go to pot. Yeah. Mine. Both sounds good. <laughs> I have. Oh, here it is. This is what I. Bottles of beer and pot. Yeah, that's well, throwing some masculine for mine. No, Ooh. no, 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 not anymore. No, I'm beyond that. <laughs> Those were the younger days. Um, in 19. 19- oh, here it is. In 1935, the unemployment rate was 20. 20- 20%. To put that in perspective now, the unemployment rate is 3.7%. Yeah. So, so that, I, I feel like that line killed her career. That's that's the hill yeah. I'm on. Yeah. Very, very possibly. Oh, man. I thought it was hilarious when she goes into the house and the lady's like, that's my dress. And then the, <laughs> the woman with the claws, they, they, they just claw her and yeah. her out in her clothes. And then do you see how um, Michael, once she comes back and she's like, oh, where are your clothes? And she's like, these are my clothes. He like kind of changed his tune. It was all of a sudden like, oh, here she is uh-huh. as him. So, um, and then I have Monkly, that's me, friend to all in the world and in nobody's enemy but me own. But me own. <laughs> so those are my quotables. Okay. My LVP, my first LVP was the father. I mean, loose lips and and just, but then I realized the extent of his issues. It appeared that he had some mental issues he needed to work out. Well, yeah. So... um, Then I went, you know, Michael and the Russian, because they were laughing at See, laughing at people is not a nice thing to do. <laughs> we're not laughing at you. We're laughing with each other. Yeah, because you were in the middle of talking on an, audio, on an audio format. And then you had to cough and you pressed the silent button. And I was like, that's dead air. I need to step in and just say something. But did you? No, yes. Yes. no, yes, I did. did. She oh, okay. did. Okay, okay. So, um, so my LVP is anybody who's laughing at 
someone else. Okay. Oh, no, maybe. <laughs> oh, this um, man. This, oh, we are getting We just got the middle yeah. finger, and she thinks yeah. since it's an audio format, no one will know. I know, but this is, this is, like, Ma, we are laughing at you. We are, we are just laughing because you are hilarious. Like, she says that she gets this way at the beach every time because she's hilarious. She's just like if if I was into social media, she would be what they call content. She is just an an undying well of content. Hilarious. Good thing I have a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. My LVP, I'm sorry to say it now after I learned that sound was new. Not sound, but... <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. <laughs> the sound. Good God. That one girl. What's her name? Mo- Maudie. She had Maudie. a really New York... Every like, time yeah. she laughed, it was so loud. I had to turn the TV down. Like, and so, it, they it just hurt. had it. And it's... I'm sorry. It's 2023. Redo the freaking sound so I can watch it without having to raise and lower the volume every five seconds. It's tough, too, because she's a woman and in an audio, you know... People are always say, oh, you have the vocal fryer. We don't like the way that your voice sounds and all that. Yeah, I felt Trill. the same way. It was oh. just, like, loud. I thought that oh, Catherine Hipper... would have been able to handle me at Adam's Young football game. Well, I don't know. There's just a, like, I don't like when you watch a, sh- a program and it's not... Like, I shouldn't have to keep turning up and down, you know? Yeah, agreed, agreed. It wasn't, you would have me on mute, and then we yeah. would be fine. Well, like, if she was laughing like that, and it was in the same tone, like, it would just be like, we're mm-hmm. talking, we're talking, ah! and, we're ta- and you'd have to turn right. it down. Right. It's it's a thing that gets... I mean, it's 1935, so like, yeah. okay, but it's my LVP, okay? Yes. Well, I, I agree with you, because it's one of those things where... It gets overused as a stereotype onto things that it doesn't apply to, but there is a time when women can be shrill. I, oh, yeah. We all know it. It gets labeled too much. People, like, throw it out in against women, and they weaponize it too much. But there were times, like, Maude... I... I was able to let Maud go a bit because it was just so far out. Mm-hmm. I did find Catherine Hepburn at some points to be shrillish. But she said in Call Me Kate that in her early movies, she had a tendency to talk really fast and go way up in register. Yeah. And yeah. I... On this podcast, I have gone up very hot, like it, yeah. when you get excited and stuff. So I understand it, and yeah, but it, it yeah, it, it's there, and I don't want to. I hate being the one because, especially like with women, they're always like, oh, "I don't like the way your voice sounds," and oh, like all of all of that bullshit. But there were things where I was like, you know what? Yeah, I did. Being I all things well. fair, yeah, you are. I understand why this is a thing. Mm-hmm. I I gotta call it as I see it, and it, mm-hmm. and and then it made me have to unpack some things for myself about that. And but so well, she knew it about herself. 
Yeah, and that and she course corrected yes, she in, did. you know, Later uh, the Philadelphia story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I even think it. She even refined it in bringing up baby. You know, like it oh, was yeah. kind of of taking that because especially, well, we'll get to that in my honorable mention. So my LVP, are we to me? I don't mean to. Yes, we that. are indeed. Ooh, this was a tough one because it is Father's Day. It is my father's birthday. So this was tough. But Henry Scarlet. Yeah. LVP, my man. Yeah, he was a very you are you are valuable father. You are not a hash yeah, you are not Mm -hmm. a hashtag girl dad. No. Nope. No. Okay, so MVP. I thought Katherine Hepburn was great in this. Um, Cary Grant, of course, this was his breakthrough. But George Cukor, there were times when um, Aaron says it a lot on here about show, don't tell. So many times when there wasn't any dialogue, but just the looks on their faces that um, that I liked. So I'm going with the director. Mm, nice. Mm. Well... My runner-up, I believe, is going to be a little controversial. Mm. Dad is my runner-up. Oh. But hear me out. Yeah, I will. He didn't mess up Sylvia Sylvester's pronouns not once. True. Yes. True. Which is really, that is difficult. 1935. Yeah. And you he didn't right. have any problems. He I was looking for him to mess yeah, up. Didn't mix up he once. Did not. It's not that now, part. Now, did he not mess up? Because if he I messed know up, the intention was... was different, but that's well, even more. That, yeah. True. True. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't it matter. What, let's not ignore why. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well done. Oh, but my yeah. real MVP is I like the way they did her as a boy because it was just her with a haircut and I like that it, it for 1935 I was kind of expecting like a caricaturized version exactly. which I feel like if it had been turning a man into a woman they would have done a Mrs. Doubtfire thing whatever it would have been more like that but over the top I just liked that it wasn't over the top like mm-hmm. you know she didn't do some weird uh, thing to her voice or you know she, she did just, lower it when she would be just a when little she was bit conscious just a little bit it. okay but it and I, like feel, a, I don't know but her lowering it i think became her natural like movie voice yeah going she forward out, oh that's what i need to do mm-hmm. yeah so i just i personally i liked the way that they presented it yeah, i totally I like it. appreciate that well done mm-hmm. I have my honorable mention is the term gentleman adventurer because that's what Cary Grant described himself as gentleman adventurer. And I'm like, I heard that term and I just lit up. And then I was like, if I was a gentle, well, then I I was like, if I was a gentleman, would I be an adventurer? But it was like, you don't need to be a gentleman to be an adventurer. But I'm like, but it does make things a lot safer and easier just being realistic. And then I was like, wait a second, Aaron. You're not a gentleman adventurer. You're, and this is why it's the honorable mention, because it's right up there with what I am, a lady of leisure. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I would say you're a lady adventurer. I'm a lady of leisure who might choose to go on an adventure. Yeah. Here or there, but mostly like priority is leisure. Yeah. You did take yourself to Japan. Yes. That's still a that's leisurely. Yes. Yes, on your terms. Exactly. By yourself. Exactly. As a lady of leisure. But I'm not going to throw in adventure to that because I don't want your expectations to be high. It's like, whoa, hold it back. I went to Japan. There was a murder that happened when I was there, but all things considered, one of the more safer countries to go to, to travel to by oneself, you know? I'm just saying. You can't read the language. You can't, you can't, okay. I just think that's amazing. Okay, so wait, I'm wait, wait! I'm not done. Another honorable mention is Cary Grant. Fantastic. Also, yeah. Catherine Hepburn, yeah. who is just like her performances all over the place. It's, mm-hmm. it, is, it is. It really is bonkers. It is all over the place. It is. It's. It's just worth seeing to just see somebody just. I the decision she's making. You're just what are? But it's it's fascinating. Also. Again, again, bringing up Baby, Catherine Hepburn, where was her Behind Bars movie? I love Catherine Hepburn in prison. She's hilarious. I just, where's her woman? Like, Catherine Hepburn in Orange is the New Black. I mean, is this Is this our fourth in the row what the fuck movie? It is, right? Persona, Tommy, Valley of the Dolls, and this one? Yeah. I think it is. I think we could even go back farther because there's just so many. But my real MVP. Okay. The realest of the real MVP of this. The Catherine Hepburn's character points out in the difference between when she's a man and a woman. The real MVP of this picture is Pockets. Oh, yes. oh yeah, she does yes. put that out. Yes, mm-hmm. it's true. Too. And she was just like, I mm-hmm. have no idea where. To... And I was wearing my favorite pants last night. I love these pants. The only downside of these pants is they have the shallowest pocket. Shallow pockets mm. on women's clothes. Oh, go. I mm. was just like, I love everything about these, but it won't fit my phone. And I don't have the massive phone. I have the mini. So mm. it's just. Oh, but come on, ladies, you know I'm right. It's pocket. How many say yes to the dress have I watched where the woman reach realizes her? Yeah. Oh my dress god, there's pockets. Pockets. Yes. I mean, as someone who always needs a tissue. Okay. So uh recasting. I did a recasting, but this is I don't think that this movie would get made today. No, it wouldn't. I was going to have, okay, if I did it, the only one I recast was Sylvia, and I was going to have Elliot Page be Sylvia. But I was going to have her be comfortable in in the boys, realize, oh, wow, I was a boy all along. 
I don't okay. have to go back to being mm. female. That's how that was my turn. Because he had such an aversion to being in I don't know how he would feel about being in a dress. Is kind of what mm. I'm saying. In the, mm-hmm. you know. But if you change the story and stuff. I had um as Sylvia, I was kind of thinking of like, okay, who's kind of on the younger side? It's an actress who won an Academy Award and um would just be in it and well, right off the bat, I think that Naomi Rogers that I saw in Tina should oh, be cast okay. in everything. So I was just like, put her in it and it'll be fine. She's a star. But then I was thinking for Sylvia, um, like if we're strictly going, that we're remaking this film, which again, I'm like highly problematic and I don't see how it gets made. But Jennifer Lawrence, mm-hmm. especially where her career is now, she's in... Like, no hard feelings. I think she's won an Oscar. She has. Made, yeah, uh, she, when she was young. And now, and so I was like, okay, that would be interesting. And then for Jimmy, again, it's it's really hard because it's like the quote you say, the next Cary Grant, but who is there? I went with that Regé Jean Page guy <sighs> that was in Bridgerton. Bridgerton. You know, mm. and, and so those were my only, my only two. Mm-hmm. But it's just t- tough because I just don't see. Because the the problem is, why would she need to pretend to be a man? Mm-hmm. Because at that That's point, it. everybody's like, wait a second, <laughs> what? You know, like in twenty twenty three, it's just wait, what? What? Hmm. So. Okay. I guess if you're doing like a time, we're going back in time, that, but there's a, a lot of explain. It's just tough. So we are the tasties. So uh, my first one has already been mentioned. It had a disastrous preview. Howard Hughes was intrigued by Catherine Hepburn. It's well, in the Aviator, the movie. It, it shows I did. That- I watched it. I watched that scene again. Where he he just shows up and he lands a seaplane there, um, supposedly to say hi to Cary Grant, his friend. But it was like to, um, um, you know, like say hi to Catherine Hepburn. And she was like, "What? Why are you ruining this film set for us?" And Kate Blanchett won an Oscar for her portrayal as Catherine Hepburn. And when you I watched the scene again, and I was like, "Yeah, she, it." I mean, Blanchett is just one of the all-time greats, exactly. and it's it is really funny because she she doesn't look like her, but she does sound like her and has her mannerisms, which is hilarious, but works. And the, my mom, what you were saying about the the um, how it was so disastrous, they Hepburn and Kukor went to Pedro like the producer his house and they begged him to shove the picture and they said that they would make the first one for free and the the producer was like don't even bother no thanks (laughs) we don't want another it it was disastrous and then they added the scene 
in Marseille to show her in a dress with long hair. So I'm right. curious as how the original started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we we mentioned this was Cary Grant's breakthrough. It was a loss of $363,000 for RKO in 1935. Three hundred sixty-five thousand. Yes. It was yeah. one of the most unsuccessful movies of the thirties. Yeah, like people just said, "No, thank you. I do not want to see this." And a lot of it was her uh, female being a, a male. I I think it was That's oh, almost eight hundred thousand dollars. Eight hundred thousand dollars. Um. It was the first of her box office flops, which made her box office poison. It was the first of four pairing Cary Grant and Katherine Hepburn. And after this one, they only got better. Mm-hmm. They had, it was the bringing up baby holiday and the Philadelphia story. Right. And those were um, my tasties. Dini, do you have any? I didn't have any. I had to think about the accent, but we already talked about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so people thought because in real life, Cary Grant is from England, and they were like, oh, he's doing his original Cockney accent, but he wasn't. He was originally from Bristol, which is a distinct accent from Ooh. the Cockney accent that is a London accent. And Cary Grant came over to the U.S. when he was 16, and at that point, he started to broaden his accent because he wanted Ooh. to get more work. But his accent in this was widely made fun of. Kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, who is it? Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins with his accent. You know? Oh, really? And, like, that's so over the top. It's cartoony. I also heard a lot of people digging to feed digs on his accent for the crab. Oh, the Little Mermaid? The Little Mermaid. Oh, interesting. Aww. Yeah. And Brad but like, Also, his- why couldn't you just have hired somebody who has an accent? Yeah. Well, we needed we needed a we needed Cary Grant in this movie. His mm-hmm. charm, without that, it it really would have been bad. And the the accent is, I mean, I'm an American, like I can't. I believed it. Yeah, it's it's just funny how, but but it's, it's like somebody from here being like d- trying to do a southern accent. Mm-hmm. And well, there's so many different southern from, accents. Yeah, like, you kind of get away with it. I would say it's like a Boston accent. Yeah. Because there's so many Boston people and they're so vocal that if you don't get the accent right, mm-hmm. they will let you know about it. Right. Whereas a southern accent, there's so many different kinds of southern ac- yeah. accents. And also there's that, yeah, it's fine, we, we get it, that you can do it badly, but... Mm-hmm. I feel like it's easier for English actors to do an American accent because there's so many different American accents yeah. that we're just like we just default to it's fine and not nitpicky. Whereas right. if I was gonna go over, that's why Renee Zellweger I feel like doesn't get the respect that she does of doing her Bridget Jones accent. Mm-hmm. You know, because because mm-hmm. you don't really see it going over the other way that much. People are like, oh, it's horrible. Um. I have that there was the queer subtext that was sensed at the time by Hollywood that um, there was, you know, George Cukor, who he was, he was closeted, but it was like an open secret and that there was the talk of 
Cary Grant's bisexuality. Mm-hmm. There was also at the time protest from the Catholic Legion of Decency. They didn't like the notion of a 30-something man snuggling with an apparent adolescent man, which is really rich considering that there's been more than 6,000 Catholic clergy members have been credibly accused of sexual abuse in the U.S. And these people had the audacity to fix their mouths to be like, we should boycott this movie. Knowing all the while. Yeah. I have the Time Magazine on January 13th, 1936. So less than a month after this movie came out. Said that Catherine Hepburn looked better as a boy than as a woman. Yeah. I mean... She looked great as both. Yeah. Well, people were just like, I can't, you know what? In this movie, though, I felt like she did look better when she was dressed up as Sly than when she was in the. It, it was just funny to me. But um, Michael's car is a 1932 Woosley Hornet. Okay. The father, the math on the lace. The father says that the lace is worth 50 quid. That would be $250 at the time, which in today's money would be $5,500. Yeah, that's a that's a hefty sum to just, but it's not going to take you far. Mm-hmm. Right. But it was enough to to get out from under the, like they don't have CCTV, you know? Yeah. Um, Catherine Hepburn was famous for always wanting to wear trousers, as they say, Uh always wanting to wear pants. And it was because she liked to be barefoot, which last week we did Valley of the Dolls and Sharon Tate also loved to be barefoot. Uh I thought that was interesting. And that um, she said that the reason that she uh, didn't really like to wear dresses was because of the stockings, because she had to wear stockings and that kept her from being barefoot. Interesting. But I also suspect pockets. Pockets. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And Catherine Hepburn said of this movie, quote, it was a disaster. Oh. <laughs> and that's why it's a success now. The audience must be a disaster. Oh. At least when it was made, they had the sense not to go. I don't understand how it could be a cult picture because it's hopeless damn <laughs> yeah like she was just like well yeah. look at us all these disasters sitting here yeah mm-hmm. but I liked it I did too and then I found that this article I was reading a bunch of different articles this was from the double standard twins of there's another Kukor film I think this was with Greta Garbo called the two-faced woman so, The Twins of the Two-Faced Woman and Sylvia Scarlet by Leslie Chow, 2008 article. Um, she says that, quote, becoming two people may be a reasonable response to a world of double standards. Ooh. Oh. So I was like, oh, that does make sense. Oh, wow, it does. Well mm-hmm. done. So, I, I like that, like, it's one of these, I'm not going to say you have to go out and you must watch it. But it is a fascinating film. I'm just yeah. like, this is bonkers. And this is 
this is Catherine Hepburn just doing a lot to just just everything. Your mileage will vary on it. And there's Cary Grant becoming like figuring out like, oh, this is who I'm gonna be. I'm Cary yeah. Grant. And I like like for 1935. Yeah, and it moved along. It did go mm-hmm. like wait, <laughs> like like you said TV. Yeah, but it had me. How the did whole we time. get here? Yeah. Uh-huh. Don't know how we got there, but I enjoyed how I enjoyed being there. I did too. Um, okay, so this has been Sylvia Scarlet, not Scarlet O'Hara. And next week we are still in Pride Month. Okay. And uh, we are moving ahead 13 years to 1948. Okay. Mm. And the, uh, the undercurrent of this film, very subtext, but for Pride Month. It was the first color film for this director. Mm. Mm. Uh, We have Jimmy Stewart in it. We can watch it on Apple or Prime. The Gay Divorcee. Yeah. (laughs) It is an Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, rope. Rope. Ooh, it is rope. Heard of it. I know I had not either, but it is a fascinating premise. I believe it's supposed to give the look that it was all done in one shot. That was his that Ooh. was his aim to do it like it's all in one shot. Mm-hmm. Um yes. I've been watching a lot. Every night I've been watching Alfred Hitchcock presents on the cock, the peacock, the cock, the cock. What's our, what's our running time for it? Oh my God. I didn't write it down. <gasps> what if it goes over two hours? It won't go over two hours. Cause it's supposed to look like it's in one film, like one shot. Hour and 20 it. minutes. Oh, yeah. you're welcome. Nice. So this has been Sylvia Scarlet. You're welcome. Probably haven't heard of it before. And uh, next week we will go into rope. Well, there you go, listeners. Uh-huh.